So first things first, Annie, how are you? Good. Yeah, thank you. It's very good to hear. So before we get into the records, um, I wrote down a quote of something. I think it was in the album teaser. Um, oh, no, it was in the Masterclass teaser where you said there's no way to be good at something without being bad at it first. Um, yeah. Do you remember being bad at music? Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, what were those early? <laughs> well, that, that sounds weird, but what, no, what no, were no. those? I know what you're. T I know what you're saying. Um, I mean, I. It's funny because I remember trying to learn a song and and like not getting it. But I also feel like I had this sort of like, I had this ear that would like. Uh, I had like a psychic ear that would be um, kind of almost like gentle. Like it would make me sound better than I did to kind of keep me going forward. Sure. Um, and then later on when I was kind of, you know, skilled enough to handle it, I could actually listen back and be like, ooh, this is not very good, but <laughs> I can get better. But when you're first starting, you know, you want to just feel like. Sure. Do, do you remember the first song or maybe it was the very first thing that you made, but the first thing that you were proud of that you made? Uh, there's a record called Daddy's Home. It's coming out in May. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's not the first thing I was proud of. God, I think I had a little Tascam um, uh, four track. Okay. And uh, and I remember being I had this like child size drum set, like a. I'm not even sure. I borrowed it from my friend. I'm not even sure where she got it. Like it was not really a proper thing, but I remember being really uh, proud that I'd done, oh God, a cover of something uh, and played all the instruments, you know, because okay. I had bass and I played the drums and I played the guitar and recorded and sang it and I recorded all my Tascam four track. And I just okay. remember, feeling, wow. And what age was this? Around, uh, uh, I was probably... In eighth, ninth, eighth or ninth grade, 14, 14 okay. or 15, something like that. So this this creative process, you mentioned all these different instruments. What did you get out of that in a way, the, the creative expression in all these, uh, in multiple ways? Um, it just it was kind of, it was unlike anything I had access to. Any, It was unlike any other feeling Um you know, I had my heroes and I wanted to be like my heroes and I wanted to do what my heroes did. So, um, you know, just write songs, write bad songs, uh, <laughs> you know, make demos, try to um, try to kind of get one fraction of, of, of what um, you love about someone else's music into your own. Mm. And now I read that uh, your father had quite the record collection. So, so was there, were there one or two uh, albums that really stuck out for you? Uh, it was more a CD collection, oh, okay. uh, but it was the fair 90s, enough, fair enough. 80s and 90s. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I remember listening to um, Steely Dan, so much Steely Dan, a massive, massive Steely Dan fan. Um, and it was my first concert, actually, which okay. was not that cool uh for most people but it was very cool for me um what else uh really that period of music from you know 71 to 76 
New York, okay. Stevie okay. Wonder. It's it's probably difficult to pinpoint because a lot of this is very emotive. But what can you pinpoint what that was about that era of music? Um, God, I mean, I think the world was bad, but music was really good. Um, I'm not. I think I'm not. In some ways, I'm not that much of an idealist. Like I'm sort of pragmatic in in ways and. There's something about that music, which is not like flowers in the sky, flower children, utopian. It's like grimy and sleazy and a little more uh, verite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mentioned, oh, good. And funny, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess the, the writing was just so so great it was really musically sophisticated but you didn't know it it's just musical people could really play you you mentioned these words like sleazy and grimy and now that those were the same words that were uh in the bio about this new album daddy's Mm -hmm. home so how did you try to kind of capture that feeling in a way well first i wrote story you know i wrote narratives of flawed people doing their best to get by and um, used just the sounds, used the instruments that you would have, that were pretty idiomatic of that time. Um, And then just jammed, just played. And, you know, it's loose, it's it's loose, but it grooves. It's um, nothing about it is like fussy or perfect. It's just, um, just, captured in the moment and felt and you know that that's just a different it's just a really different way of of making records that than I've ever than I've ever done what gave way to this approach then I think I went as far as I could go with mm-hmm. with a certain kind of structure I mean I think I I'm not I'm a, more of a song person I'm not a, a jam person mm-hmm. per se I think it's great to jam, but you need to jam over structure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still like, you know, very much, it's very much about the songwriting, but it's also, you know, I went as far as I could go with a certain kind of guitar sound or a certain rigidity. And I wanted to make something that was just really fluid mm. and really ener- energy like this instead of like, was yeah. that difficult to kind of get those because you've uh, studied at Berkeley, I believe. And then, uh, I mean, you're very knowledgeable ab- about music. Was it difficult to kind of uh, throw that all away out of, out of your head? And well, You know, it's, it's funny. Cause it's, I mean, one of the reasons I left Berkeley in the first place was because I, um, I was like, okay, I, I understand that this place can teach people a certain level mm. of craft and to be a, a craftsperson, right? And that's important. You need to have, you need to have a certain level of, you need to have some tools in your toolbox for sure. sure. But this place can't teach you how to be an artist. And the only reason to have all those tools in your toolbox is because you have something to say. And that was that was the thing that that, that never really got touched on at, at Berkeley in terms okay. of, you know, they teach you how to be the best at this, but. Is it, what does it matter if it's not in service of a point of view? So, um, so no, I mean, I think actually one of the, I think there's, 
the the Berkeley damage was more damage that said like something has to be incredibly complicated in order to be valid. But in this case, I was going I was going back to music that is really sophisticated. Harmonically, it's sophisticated. Rhythmically, you know, it's not it's not a, a three chord song, but um, but it wasn't. There was nothing about it that was complexity for complexity's sake. It was all in service of something musical and in saying what I needed to say. So that's I think that's the distinction with it. And with that in mind, then, and you mentioned that you started out by writing songs, uh, stories about very flawed people. So what was the first story that you wrote? Um, the first song I wrote for the record was um, Somebody Like Me. Okay. And the second song I wrote for the record was um, Holiday Party. Okay. So, you know, I, and I could write, I could write this stuff because like, I'm deeply flawed and you know, I think kind of so is everybody to some, to some degree. And I could write these stories because I've been these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was, my next question was going to be whether it would be autobiographical elements of yourself or just witnessing the world yeah. in a way. It's all of the above, you know, okay. it's, some of it is, some of it is so literal that I'm hiding in plain sight. And some of it, some of it is obviously imagination and to build out the narrative mm. to tell the story. Well, let's, let's take the first one that you mentioned, Somebody Like Me. What was it that you, well, the, the, the line I wrote down uh, was a genius or a fool of the week. Uh, am I a genius or a fool of the week? Um, but what, what was kind of the idea behind that? So what, what made you write that down? Um, well, I guess it's the idea that like, oh, behind that line? or well, not, spe not specifically that line, but uh, just well, the song. I, I mean, I think, and I think this is, I, I believe this is, this is a romantic notion, but I think that love is sort of a mutually agreed upon delusion, you know, between people. And it's kind of an, an, a narrative that you create together. And um, there's something about, um, there's something about a lot of love songs, which are, you know, I'm going to love you forever. And I, it's till the end of the earth and all the stuff. And it's sort of like, this is um, not. This is not that promise. Like, mm. who time is going to be the thing that tells us what happens? Sure. What What do I know? But you know. Um, but but I see that you believe in me more than I believe in me. So maybe I can, you know, maybe we can just believe in this thing together, and create it. Because is there also a sense of. Um kind of confidence, uh, somebody else having confidence that, that in you that you might not have in yourself? Yeah, it's amazing. It's like if you have a mirror that you're like, I look amazing. Mm. You know? That's helpful. It, again, it's helpful because we, we, we really, we live by stories. We live by the stories we tell ourselves. We live by massive cultural stories. Sure. I mean, it's all this construct. So um, if we can tell ourselves a different story, <laughs> you know, we have the power to shape our realities. I definitely agree with that. And uh, well, with with that comes kind of, uh, like you said, either uh, you might think of yourself idealistic or, or I think of myself at times as naive and, and things <laughs> uh, about the world. But um, 
how so that's you, really sweet and sort of ironic to think of yourself as naive. Well, you know I, I mean? like like a you have some <laughs> awareness that you're. Would true naivete be to, to, to not know that you're naive? To, to be completely oblivious to it? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Might be. But I, I'm somebody who overthinks things and, and reflects a lot, so that doesn't help with that. <laughs> Especially because of last year being as weird as it was. What, what is one story that you told yourself that kind of uh, you realized wasn't true? Um, one story that I told myself was that it was impossible for me to be in one place for more than two weeks at a time. Um, and I didn't invent that story. It's just, it was simply the circumstance of my life. Sure. I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't know what to do if I wasn't, you know, off working here or off doing, you know, doing this kind of constantly chasing it. And obviously I, I couldn't travel um, last year. And I thought is the first time in my adult life that I've been still okay oh because I've been touring since I was in my early 20s and that's been my whole life so um I didn't think I could do it but I did it I did it and I it's I mean I think we as human beings like we're we are very adaptable we are very circumstance so um and I mean you know I was I was lucky none of my friends or family got terribly ill or passed away and you know I had food and shelter and all that stuff so talking about all of the years before then uh, all of those years before when when because of the, uh, the way I see it I don't know how you experienced it but you're 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 always be, uh, have been on an upward trajectory I would say in terms of success and attention and everything's always been going like this and you mentioned never being in the same place for, for longer than two weeks. Did you enjoy that kind of hectic nature of life? I mean, I did. I, I did. And at some point, or I didn't know any different, you right. know, but I mean, I remember at some point around 2015, I was traveling so much. And this is, I mean, I feel bad about this from a carbon footprint standpoint, but mm. I would go to Tokyo for the weekend. Mm. Crazy. You know what I mean? Is that, yeah. oh. I mean, I remember going to Tokyo, like, oh, we should go to Tokyo this weekend. For a weekend. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's like, I, that. Well, let me ask it differently then, because uh, I wrote down, you you uh, work with your aunt and uncle who are in the music, Tuck mm-hmm. and Patty, um, and, and obviously you got to see kind of a, a little bit of what, being a musician in the music industry and entailed has it kind of been as you as as you were going up has it been as you expected in a way you know I don't really know what I expected I never wanted to be with the exception of being you know eight years old and they're like what do you want to be when you grow up and you're like I want to be president like I don't fucking want to be president but besides that besides that little you know brief time the only thing I ever wanted to do was be a musician I don't remember life for music or before, you know, feeling like this, this calling. And so um, I don't know, but I also, I don't know that I have a great ability to project that far into the future. Mm-hmm. I more have like, I'm more um, just focused on like what is right in front of me. Um, 
and I don't really look back. Um, so I don't know what I expected, but I do know that like, I feel like I'm just getting started and it's crazy. Like mm. it's crazy to me that, um, like you said, and I would agree, I would agree. It's been a slow climb up the mountain or, or whatever. And I've been lucky cause I have, I've gotten to become better at my job and people still want to hear from me mm. um, this many records in. And that's, I, I realize, um, I realize now um, more so than ever, just like how lucky that is. Cause it's, it's pretty rare. I mean, it is pretty sure. rare. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of bands come and go, you know, I've seen a lot of artists do this and, you know, go into obscurity or all that stuff or people get huge and then whatever. Any, anyway, it's been, I'm going to get some more water, but it's been a ride. <laughs> right. With what you just mentioned then, and I don't think you are, but does that, uh, does that add pressure in a way to, especially now new album, um, do you feel kind of like you need to perform in a way or you need to, um, I don't know, right? way of saying you mean it, like the, in a commercial sense or in a well in in a sense of being able to do what you do because i i suppose in the creative sense that's already what you're doing you just do what you do um, mm -hmm. but to be able to continue what you do uh, i mean there is a commercial element to it then yeah you know it's funny um it's funny and this might seem counterintuitive but I don't think about the commercial aspect of it at all <laughs> anymore. Like the more I've gone, the less I think about the commercial aspect of it, which is counterintuitive because things have, you know, gotten increasingly, I've gotten increasingly popular as I put out music. And again, mm -hmm. that's super lucky. That is not kind of the normal way. Um, with daddy's home, I don't, I don't think about it at all. Okay. I mean, I think about creating a world. I think about, the shape of the album. I mean, I put all my effort into that, but I have no idea. I have no that's, idea. That's good. I think that's very healthy, a very healthy way of looking at it instead of having all these expectations or pressure yeah. to, to do something. I mean, don't tell my record company, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's get into the record a little bit more then, because uh, you mentioned that some uh, lines are very literal from uh, kind of straight from your life. And there's, there's one where I thought, that might be very, very, uh, if daddy's home signing autographs in a visiting room, I can imagine that happening. Yeah, yeah that happened. That was, <laughs> that must be it, bizarre, so right? Bizarre, but it's, I mean, it's so funny. That is so like, <laughs> just ha like life, life converges, you know? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, like it said in the bio, you know, I have firsthand experience now with the American um, prison system. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the whole thing is Kafka-esque. I mean, it's arbitrary. There are all these arbitrary rules. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I've got stories forever. But, um, but yeah, I did. It was one of the last times I went to go, go see him before he got released. And it was, yeah. I signed I signed an autograph because you're not allowed to take cell phones in. So luckily oh. no one, we couldn't take a selfie because an autograph is sort of a, a, that's kind of an outdated thing that people sure. do. People want to want a selfie, but thank God 
with Bartha <laughs> behind you. <laughs> Glad this is not a, this moment isn't immortalized that way. Obviously, um, your father going to prison must be difficult. I, I don't know the circumstances and I'm, I'm not going to pry either, but uh, what made you... Oh, well, I can say that it was, it was white collar and I only specify that to say like it wasn't like a violent assault or, right. or anything like that, for whatever that, you know. But, but what, what I wondered was what made this album kind of the album where you were... Um, willing to talk about it or, or open enough to talk about it? Well, um, a number of years ago, it was like, um, I was for, for a split second, I don't mean to overstate it, but I was like in the tabloids um, and the tabloids went like trying to dig up dirt on me, which I mean, it's good luck. I mean, it's not, you know, um, but uh But anyway, they 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 sort of uncovered that story, which wasn't anything I want to talk about. And it's like, you know, one, I think I for a lot of years, and this is my general ethos, like I don't want to get in between somebody's interpretation of the music. Hmm. You know, like I I've had songs ruined once I know what the artist's intent intention was. I don't think the artist's intention is relevant at all. Okay. Um, so part of it is, um, part of it was like, I don't want to sully someone's listening experience by knowing the exact autobiographical details of my life. Right. But it was kind of put out there in this way that was like, Ugh. and then it was, and then I was asked about it or it was referenced in various, um, you know, like music press stuff when I was doing music interviews, it comes so like, Well, you know what? This story has a this story has a, a lot more to it than the sort of like salacious whatever anecdote. And actually, I want to be able to tell my story, and I can tell that story with like humor and compassion and a lot of you know tell it with with an arc instead of it kind of being a like a tabloidy tidbit. But right. if, it wasn't, if it hadn't if it hadn't been out there, I probably wouldn't talk about it one thing that i noticed and I, i'm not very musical so I, i don't know if this is in any way correct but i heard a lot of electric piano and i thought that was kind of the the the, the foundation for a lot of songs yeah it is the wurlitzer it's a wurlitzer in mm. there a lot. um and some clad so but yeah that's definitely the foundation because they just at one it's very idiomatic of that of that time and it's just like it's really warm and like buttery and it's a great sound i mean mm. it It really is. So it's invite. It's a very inviting sound. So. And earlier on in the interview, you mentioned that you uh, kind of wanted to let go of structure a little bit, but not too much. Uh, that you're I, kind of... I wanted to let go of things being strict. I don't think I necessarily wanted to, to let go of structure okay. because these songs are very much, they are songs, you know, right. there's verses and choruses and all that stuff. But, um, but definitely anything that I want to let go of anything that felt like strict. Okay. Yeah. Because, because I wonder what, what role did uh, Jack Antonoff play in kind of uh, creating that as well? Um, a lot. I mean, Jack, uh, most of the record is just me and Jack playing the instruments. Okay. okay. I mean, it's, it's a lot of us jamming. 
Um, and that's not, I don't use the word jam um, very often, but um, mm. yeah, just that sort of, you know, less about having some guitar part that is um, structured, more about like, okay, then layout, and then a little bit right here, and then layout, just kind of space and um, space and a little bit like just a sprinkling of psychedelia. Mm. And I think that you mentioned this in the Masterclass trailer as well, but songwriting for you, is that kind of starting with an idea and just uh, keep hacking at, oh, hacking is not the right word. But no, hacking is perfectly fine, um yeah it's a lot of I mean the thing is I kind of I kind of I write in all kinds of different ways mm -hmm. like um pay your way in pain I was just I have a modular couple modular synths and I was just turning knobs and plugging shit in until it sounded cool you know like <laughs> so trial and error basically oh of course like absolute trial and error and just playing you know playing without modular mm -hmm. for an hour until I got about six seconds of something that I was like, ooh, that. <laughs> and then built a song around, you know, do, do, da, da, do, 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 you know, the, the bass line. So there's that kind of approach. Um, there's definitely the approach that happened, um, uh, that, that happens in some songs where, you know, it's lyrics first. It's like, here's what it is. And I know mm -hmm. what it is and here's the narrative. And I just have to figure out what it sounds like. And then there's the other thing, which is, really really common for me but also a a longer way around um which is i mean i can make music all day i mean i'm not in a i don't mean that in a braggy way i just oh, sure. the music part it's that's easy it's but corralling all of it into one place and having something to say and have that thing that you're saying being you know being powerful and putting the lyric together with the music that's that's the real jujitsu <laughs> yeah my next question would be uh when do you do do you always know when to stop in a way because that that must be especially these days with technology there's so many possibilities i kind of do now okay i didn't always because mm -hmm. what happens what happens i think in the creative process a lot of times or just the emotional arc of any of any say song or piece of writing is like you get the idea and you're like i'm a genius this is amazing and then you, you come down and you're like and you're like oh I don't know what I was thinking I can't see the forest through the trees and then you kind of come out the other side which is like oh I don't know how it happened but suddenly I have this you know completed vision I don't I don't there's a there's a point of diminishing returns definitely where you can start if you are too close to something you can start to just you know chip away at things that don't need chipping right but i think i'm pretty good at knowing when to step away now also i'm sort of impatient and i like to move on to the next thing that, that helps. so i'm not i'm not somebody who would like hold on to music for 10 years before okay. I release it. that that to me just sounds so stressful <laughs> I want to okay. get it done and get it out so I can do the next thing, you know. So it's very, in that sense, very dependent on, on your mood or your, your uh, mindset at the moment, I suppose. 
Um, I think it's it's instinct. You kind of know. Mm-hmm. I, I I know now. I know now when I'm in the right frame of mind to make certain decisions, and I know when I'm uh, going down a road I don't necessarily need to go down, but I'm doing so out of like right. you know, anxiety or something. Final question then. Um, you're playing Saturday Night Live, which has been, I suppose, a staple in American culture for years. How important mm-hmm. is that for you? Oh, I mean, I love Saturday Night Live. I grew up watching it. Um, no, it's huge. It's the biggest, it's like the biggest thing you can get. And I don't mean that in a promotional way. It just, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's live TV to all of America. I'm just sweating talking about it, but um, <laughs> but it's well, like, I love the show. It's such a part of my like history and childhood and so many memories watching it and so many performances like, that I remember just going, wow. Right. Well, so, having not been able to play, uh, I don't know if you have at all in the last couple of months or a year, but are you nervous now? trying to get into game shape in a way um no not not after uh rehearsals but i mean i it takes me a while excuse me personally to like get something really in my in my being in a in a deep way where i can just like fully embody it so i personally started rehearsing by myself like weeks and weeks ago as soon as i found out Okay. So I think I'm in pretty good shape. That's going to be good. Well, I wish you the best of luck um, at Saturday Night Live and then obviously with the album release as well. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. You bet. Thank you. I like your guitars and Christmas tree in the back. (laughs) Thank you.